Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, hello and welcome to our brand new sermon series through the book of Hebrews. I want to invite you to join us over the next five weeks as we're going to be preaching through the book of Hebrews. But I also want to invite you to study the book of Hebrews. Uh, so find a reading plan for yourself. Well, otherwise, you can just start reading through the book of Hebrews and study it with us. Now, I want to also encourage you to do three things. Each time that you study a passage of scripture, to do the following three things. Firstly, to read it. Secondly, to ask, and then thirdly, to pray. So firstly, when you read, I want to encourage you to maybe read a passage of Scripture, whether it be a chapter or half a chapter, to not only read it once, but read it two or three times, and perhaps use more than one translation to read the passage of Scripture. And then secondly, ask yourself the following two questions. What does this passage say about God? And then secondly, what does this passage say about me. Uh, read your name into that passage of, of Scripture and make it applicable uh, to yourself. What does it say about God? And also, what does it say about me? And then thirdly, respond in prayer. Whatever way you want to respond in prayer, whether it be worship or just applying it to your life, asking God how you can make this applicable and practical in your life also. So let's get going. Now, the book of Hebrews, just to give you a bit of context, this, this was a letter that was written to a group of Christians. It was actually Hebrew Christians or Jewish Christians, people that converted from Judaism. Um, and they were living in a situation where they were actually persecuted because of their faith. Now, the persecution might have been uh, socially uh, or even economic persecution. Some of them might have lost some properties and even maybe physical persecution. And so on the one side, it was the Jewish people that were not happy about their affiliation and their faith in Jesus. And then on the other side, it was also the Roman government that were also persecuting them for their faith. Now, uh, many of these uh, Christians uh, decided to follow Jesus and then they were persecuted because of it. So when they decided to follow Jesus, life wasn't easier. I don't know if you've ever felt like that when, you know, you've decided to, to follow God and put your trust in God and then all of a sudden things start going wrong. Um, and uh, you've probably discovered this, that, that if you follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that life is always just a walk in the park. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe if you've gone through difficult times, so this is what these people have been going through. As, as soon as they started going through a difficult time, experiencing persecution at different levels, they started to doubt their faith. Well, that's what we sort of deduct from this letter that was written in response to a particular situation. We sort of deduce that, that they were probably struggling in their faith, probably considering, you know, is it worth following Jesus? Uh, with all the troubles that they were facing. Now, this is something we also go through. I think in many ways, this letter is also written to you if you are going through some challenging times. We, when we face difficulty, we also usually start doubting. Sometimes we, we doubt ourselves, and other times we start doubting God. We even you know, start doubting our trust in God or our faith uh, in God. Now, if you've ever been there, then this letter is so applicable for you. It's not only written to the Hebrews, it's also written to you in the situation where you find yourself. Now, 
how does the Hebrew writer address the matter, this matter of, of, of doubt and a feeling uh, uncertain and actually a, a, the, the issue of faith. Uh, th this Hebrew writer is trying to stir the faith of the Christians that he's writing it to. And how does he do this? Now, it's quite interesting is that I think this writer understood that it's not about how big your faith is, but rather it's about how big your picture is of the one that you have faith in. It's about the object of your faith and not about your faith. And so the Hebrew writer, um, it's quite interesting that it's only in chapter 11 that he starts speaking about the topic of faith. He doesn't start the letter with faith. He starts off by painting a bigger picture of Jesus. He gives us a clearer, a more accurate picture of Jesus. It's as if he, he just wants to refocus our attention on who this Jesus is and how great this Jesus is, knowing that if we have a clearer picture of Jesus, that it will automatically stir our faith. And so the way that he addresses doubt in a time of difficulty is by painting a bigger picture of who Jesus is or a more accurate picture of who Jesus is. And so he's helping them to find a bit of perspective. Now in these five weeks, there are five words that we have chosen as themes. And these words will serve as a lens through which you can, it will help you, assist you to read and study the book of Hebrews. Now the word that I'm looking at today is actually we're going to be studying the first four verses from Hebrews chapter one. And the word we've chosen is primacy. Primacy. It's about the primacy of Christ or the supremacy of Christ. Not only this sermon, but the whole book of Hebrews is about the, the, the priority of Jesus, the supremacy of who Jesus is. A primacy defined is the fact of being preeminent or most important. That's the point of the book of Hebrews. And I believe also the point of the whole Bible is that Jesus is the most important. If you see Jesus as the most important thing, everything else will fall into place and you will find perspective. Now, in many ways, uh, Hebrews is a greater than book. Um, it's uh, as if the writer is putting the Old Testament scriptures. Now, these Jewish Christians were probably, you know, well-versed in the Old Testament. Uh, they, they understood their scriptures and they knew who the prophets and the, the, the priests of the Old Testament were. And it's throughout this whole book, it's as if the writer is putting all of these Old Testament char characters, figures, important things from the Old Testament, putting them next to Jesus and saying that Jesus is greater than all of them. He starts off in verse one by saying, all of the scriptures, guess what? Jesus is greater than them. All of them were just pointing to Jesus. And he speaks about the prophets of the Old Testament, the, the heroes of the Jewish faith. People like Elijah and, uh, um, and Jeremiah, these people, he puts them next to Jesus saying, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than Moses, than Joshua. Jesus is greater than the law of the Old Testament. He's greater than the temple. He's greater than all of the priests and all of their sacrifices. Jesus is greater than your guilt and your shame. And Jesus is greater than the problems and the, the, the troubles that you are facing today. And that's his point. He wants to put Jesus next to everything else and to show us that Jesus is prime, Jesus is supreme, Jesus is the most important, and that will automatically stir faith in us. Let's read it together from verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. 
But in these last days, so in other words, now he has spoken to us by his son. Then he goes on, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So even saying Jesus is greater than the angels. Now, for the time that we have together, there's only two points I want to make. The first one, so I want to speak about Jesus and the Bible, the way that you read and understand the scriptures, the Bible. And uh, let me ask you this question. Which is more important, the Bible or Jesus? You might say that question makes no sense. Well, just stick around and uh, I'll explain that. The second question I want to ask or the second thing I want to speak about is Jesus and your faith, your faith. Which one is most important, Jesus or your faith? And I'll explain that also as we go along. So Hebrews 1 verse 1 starts off by saying, Long ago and at many times, in many ways, God has spoken to our fathers by the prophets. And so he starts off by saying, In the past, no longer now, but in the past, God spoke to us. This is the Old Testament in many different ways. Through the story of him and the Israelites and through the characters of the Old Testament, God was revealing himself to us. But specifically also, he was speaking to us through the prophets. But now he has spoken to us by his son. And so the writer is actually saying that Jesus is the word of God. Inasmuch as the word of God came through the prophets, now in the person of Jesus, we have the word of God, the revelation of who God is in the person of Jesus. Now, it's as if Jesus, or the writer is putting Jesus next to the prophets and he's saying, forget about the prophets. God has spoken through his son, Jesus. Now, I'm reminded of a passage in Matthew chapter 17. It's called the Transfiguration where Jesus is on top of this mountain and next to him is appearing Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law, uh, the Ten Commandments and the, the Old Covenant. And then Elijah representing all of the prophets of the Old Testament. And these were heroes of the faith and the disciples of Jesus seeing this picture. And then there's a thick cloud that comes and the cloud goes away. And then Moses and Elijah disappear and only Jesus is left. And then a voice from heaven comes and says, and the disciples hear this, and he says, this is my son, listen to him. So it's as if God was showing the disciples, forget about the 10 commandments, forget about Moses and, and the prophets of the Old Testament. This is my son, listen to what Jesus has to say. It's very similar to the time when Jesus got baptized in the beginning of the Gospels. Jesus comes up out of the water, a dove, the Holy Spirit ascends on him. And then a voice from heaven says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And so God is saying that everything I want to say to you, I've said through the person and through the work of Jesus himself. Now, the point I want to make is that Jesus is not merely an important character in the story of the Bible, but it's actually that the Bible, all of the Bible, is about the story of Jesus. The Bible is just pointing to the story of Jesus. Now, 
in the whole New Testament, if you go read the New Testament, you will find this theme so clearly that everything points to Jesus. Just like Hebrews 1 starts off by saying uh, that Jesus is the exact imprint of who God is and that God has spoken through him and that, that he's before all things. Uh, John chapter 1 also starts off by explaining to us that Jesus is the Word of God. And it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Speaking about Jesus, the beginning of the, st of the, of the, the book that John wrote, he starts off by saying it's all about Jesus. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so that, that's a good indication for you. The way that a letter starts is explaining to you what this letter will be about. And so not only Hebrews, but the book of John, and then uh, thinking about other letters, letters like the one written to the Colossians or Colossi. Um, it, it starts off in chapter one of Colossians in verse 15. He says, speaking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together saying it's all about Jesus it give, giving us an indication that Jesus is not only an important character in the story of the Bible but that the story that Jesus is the story of the Bible that's the way I want to say it. Jesus is the story of the Bible. Not only that, but Ephesians, another letter that was also written to the Christians in Ephesus, um, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, it says, He raised him, speaking about Jesus, from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Jesus will remain the most important, always. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Mark chapter 1, the Gospel of Mark, when, when he starts writing his letter, he starts off by saying, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So he's saying, I'm going to write a letter to you now, and this is all about the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what this is all about. Even the book of Revelation, a book that people get very excited about, trying to figure out how do you read the book of Revelation? It starts off by saying, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrews 1 uh, starts in the same way. And uh, I think the point I want to make here is that Jesus is not merely an important part of our faith. Jesus is our faith. He's not the leader of my religion. He is my religion. And to just come back then to the question, if Jesus is the word of God, and if the whole Bible is pointing then to Jesus, if Jesus is the most important thing about our faith and he is the one that we have faith in, then how do I approach the Bible? So, so there's a question. How should you read scriptures? Not only how should you read the book of Hebrews, but also how should you read all of Scripture, the Old Testament even, and all of the New Testament, even including the book of Revelation. How should you read it? You should seek Jesus. You seek Jesus because it's all pointing to Him. That was the point. Jesus is the Word of God, the revelation of God. And so in other words, when I read the Bible, 
and I don't discover a revelation of Jesus, I'm just reading some ancient texts. When I, when I read the Bible and, and, and the Word of God, meaning the person Jesus, the, the Word of God, that Word of God, Jesus, is not revealed to me, I'm just looking at a book. The point, the way that we read, the, the lenses we put on to read Scripture is to seek Jesus because it's all pointing to Him. And that's what Hebrews 1 is starting off with, saying Jesus is more important than even all the Scriptures. So... The Bible is pointing to Jesus, and that's why we're excited to study this. Now, the second and last uh, quick thought I want to share with you and speak about real quick is that uh, is Jesus and our faith. Uh, many people doubt their own faith. Uh, we sometimes don't have a lot of faith in our faith. And uh, let me just quickly ask you this question again. Why do you think the writer of Hebrews is, uh, when he's trying to stir faith amongst Christians, why does he leave the topic of faith to chapter 11? Why does he start off with this picture of Jesus? It's because he understands that it's not about your faith. It's about the object of your faith. It's not about your faith. It's about the object of your faith. And our faith doesn't get stirred because we work on our faith. Our faith gets stirred when we see the right picture of who God is. Now, I'm going to maybe end with a, with a quick story um, about two rock climbers. And so there are these two rock climbers doing a free climb up a wall, meaning they've got no ropes. And they're at one point where they are extremely high. So if they were to slip and fall, they would surely die. Both of them are at a similar position and they have to make a move to keep going because they can't stay stuck there. And so the one rock climber, the first one, is a very confident climber and he sees a rock sticking out of the face of the rock face and uh, he sees the rock and without any hesitation, he confidently puts out his foot and transfers his weight. He gets onto that rock that's sticking out with lots of confidence. That's the first climber. The second climber, is a doubtful climber, one that has a little bit of hesitation and a bit of fear. He also needs to make a move and he sees a rock. Then he looks around for other rocks, for alternatives. Finally decides that I think I'm going to try this rock. He puts his foot onto the rock very slowly with lots of hesitation and then tests the rock first. And then finally, eventually, he transfers his weight onto that rock. And so here's the question. Which of the two rock climbers, the confident one or the doubtful one, which of the two rock climbers have the greatest chance of survival? Now, the answer is quite simply, the one who chooses the right rock. It's not about the climber. It's not about the confidence that the climber has or the doubts the climber might have. It's about if he chose the right rock. And so it is with our faith also. It's not about your faith. It's about the object of your faith. It's about how big and how strong this Jesus is that you are putting your faith in, even when you are sometimes struggling with a bit of doubt. You see, we don't have faith in our faith. We have faith in Jesus. And that's where Hebrews is starting. Hebrews is trying to refocus your attention on who this Jesus is that you are in, that you've put your faith in and on, the one that you are trusting on, the one whose shoulders that you are sitting on, is reminding you of who that Jesus is. And if you see a clearer picture of who Jesus is, 
your doubts will start to look a little bit different. Reminded of a, a wonderful old hymn. It goes as follows. It says, turn, and it's as, if, it's as if the writer of Hebrews understood this already, this concept, even many years before this hymn was written, where it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what it's about. Refocus yourself. Don't focus on your doubts and your fears. Don't focus even on your faith. You don't have faith in your faith, but focus on who this Jesus is. I want to invite you, as we study the book of Hebrews, to study Jesus. That's what your answer is. If, if you've got questions today, the answer that the Bible can give you is Jesus. So when you study the book of, uh, of Hebrews, you don't study Hebrews, you study Jesus. And may you find a clearer picture of who Jesus is. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services. 